0: In the months ahead, we expect a continued dramatic increase in pricing of commercial real estate. We measure the outlook for real estate pricing by comparing our underwriting of expected returns to yields available in the corporate bond market, both high yield and investment grade. In this relationship. Is currently as attractive as it ever has been for the outlook for commercial real estate pricing.
1: Welcome to the A Fire
0: podcast, now streaming on Apple, Google, Spotify, and more.
1: The expansion of remote work and changing migration patterns during COVID are likely, in, in some way, to alter the trends we've seen over the last few decades towards more urbanization. What does that mean? What directions could our post-COVID world go? It's a complicated question to answer, which is why I'm glad to have Dave Bragg. He's the co-head of strategic research at Green Street uh, on the show today to break down what the data might be telling us now about the future behaviors. So uh, thank you, Dave, for joining me on the AFIRE podcast. Thank you, Gunnar, for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you today. So Dave, the article you wrote for AFIRE Summit uh, is called Herd Community. It really caught my eye, uh, not the least of which because of the evocative title, uh, for a discussion of migration patterns in the U.S. Now, can you describe how the herd community has evolved in the last few decades and where you think it might go in the future?
0: Sure, Gunner. It is very instructive to take a look at the past as that can shed a lot of light as it relates to what the future might hold. And as it relates to demand, one measure that's very helpful is market level office using job growth. And this represents workers who occupy office space and earn relatively high wages, which allows them to make outsized contributions to the growth in rents for the likes of apartments or warehouses or shopping centers and hotels. And over the last three decades, office using job growth in key Sunbelt region markets, think about the likes of Dallas, Austin, Atlanta, and Tampa, has outpaced that of gateway markets, which are known as New York, Boston, DC, LA, San Francisco, and Seattle, by an annual average of about 150 basis points. And this superior office using job growth in the Sunbelt region is driven by a few things historically. That includes uh, immigration from abroad and the migration of individuals and businesses from the coasts and from the Midwest to the Sunbelt region. Earlier this year, uh, towards the peak of COVID, the spread between Sunbelt and Gateway job growth spiked to a level of around 400 basis points. Uh, a level that had not been seen since the 1990s. And as the gateway markets have recovered a little bit this summer, that relationship has begun to revert towards the long-term average. At the same time, as we think about the implications of of de-urbanization, while one piece is the potential movement from high-priced gateway cities to lower-priced Sunbelt markets, the other is within cities and it would be uh, the prospects for high-income individuals to move out from the city towards the suburbs. Uh, We see that occurring over the past year and a half, and it generally reflects a reversal of the trend that had been in place for many decades as cities had recently outperformed uh, their neighboring suburbs in terms of household income growth. So what might happen in the future? We expect office using job growth to continue to be stronger in the Sunbelt region, Uh, but that metric is just one of many that should be used uh, to assess the outlook for real estate fundamentals. Uh, On the demand side, an even more important metric is the one that I just mentioned, household income growth. And on that scoreboard, the gateway markets, I'm comparing markets to each other now, uh, the gateway markets have traditionally outperformed as some of the most successful firms and productive workers have gravitated towards the likes of New York and San Francisco. But we're open-minded that a combination of factors, including taxes and this revelation that we've all enjoyed as it relates to remote work, will contribute to improved household income growth in the Sunbelt going forward relative to gateway markets. And supply constraints are another consideration They remain higher in the gateway markets, although we're open-minded that some Sunbelt cities are getting tougher to build in, while at the same time it's getting a little bit easier to build in some key gateway markets. So we factor this all into our underwriting of long-term growth across markets, and the result is that we've increased our forecast for the key Sunbelt region markets relative to gateway markets, although the forecast for the latter cohort, the gateway markets, still remains a little bit higher. There's there's another, uh, one more piece here, and that relates to the outlook for property values. And for that, we like to look at the public market, which often offers very helpful directional insight on private market pricing. And in the public market, REITs that own portfolios of assets in the Sunbelt region trade at premiums to gross asset value relative to the discounts at which reads that own gateway uh, market portfolios trade. And this suggests uh, that Sunbelt, for example, offices and apartments uh, will outperform in terms of private market pricing relative to their gateway market brethren.
1: When you think about these kinds of trends and where they're going, obviously we're in a, in a period of time where... Trends are different. Um, We're in a time of COVID, uh, we're learning a lot, we're changing, chances are good, our behaviors will continue to be different than they were two years ago once this is over. Um, How are you, I mean, you mentioned it, but I'd love a little bit more detail around, how are you accounting for kind of remote work and and what what the trends seem to suggest it will become?
0: Sure, so remote work has been arguably uh, the, the, our largest focus over the last year and a half as we've tried to decipher what that will look like in the future. And that's because uh, the implications are so much more vast than just the considerations for office usage. So as we look out over uh, the next 5 to 10 years, uh, we think that 30% of workers in office using jobs will continue to travel uh, to the office on a daily basis. And that might sound like a lot given the fact that so many of us are working from home consistently right now. But that 30% is down dramatically uh, from the pre-COVID level of 90%. And so the primary beneficiary of this uh, will be the suburbs surrounding big cities uh, because we expect the majority of workers to shift from a full-time in-office structure to a hybrid work structure. And uh, that is because the network effect of being together in person in the same place, at least periodically, should remain pretty powerful and it's encouraging that we can be together over Zoom and Teams when needed, Uh, but we're not expecting a significant uptick in full-time remote work. Uh, And we we think that that share of the working population will increase to 10%, uh, which compares to 3% as of 2019. So those uh, part-time remote workers, we think will be, incentivized to move out to the suburbs. They will take on a longer commute in exchange for the opportunity to live in a bigger dwelling, which offers more space at a better price, including uh, some room uh, to work from home. And uh, though that 10% that we think will work from home permanently can move anywhere. Uh, So where will they go? And we developed a metric uh, surrounding that called the work from home utilization rate. And it provides insight on which markets should benefit from this trend. The work from home utilization rate is a pre-COVID metric that uh, measures the propensity to, rem- to work from home divided by the ability to do so. So as of 2019, places with the highest work from home utilization rates included the likes of Raleigh, Denver, and Austin. Uh, whereas those with the lowest work from home utilization rates include Silicon Valley and New York. So our expectation is to the extent that workers in the tech sector uh, who are based in the Bay Area, to the extent that they get permission to work from home permanently, our expectation is that a a pretty uh, heavy share of those will pack up and, and move uh, someplace else to one of the cities I mentioned, or even uh, a much smaller place. And that will allow them to uh, continue to do their job, but live in a dwelling at a much lower cost and have more space.
1: It, it sounds like investors really need to pay attention to what kind of work is happening in what region, you know, where those things are happening, because it's going to be different from from city to city. And given that, when we think about those northern cities that um, that uh, are either gateway cities or, or former gateway cities, um, what are you most concerned about in terms of being able to withstand the continued, this is like a 20-year trend in terms of the migration. It just seems to be accelerating. How are they going to do? Where are you most concerned?
0: And just to build upon the point uh, you just made, uh, we all do need to pay very close attention to this. And... Uh, none of these cities are created equally, even if they're within the Sunbelt region or within the Gateway region. So even over uh, the last six months or so, we've observed a divergence in performance uh, between San Francisco and New York City. And that can be due to many different reasons. But one of them is surely uh, the fact that finance firms are calling their workers back to the office in New York City, whereas uh, tech firms in the Bay Area have adopted a much more lenient approach towards remote work. So that has an effect on not just office usage, but uh, the the shops and the restaurants uh, and the vibrancy of the city uh, itself. So we're keeping a close eye on the near-term trend. Over the long-term, the thing that keeps us up at night as it relates to the prospects for individual cities would be fiscal health. Uh, The fiscal health of states and cities is a really big deal and uh, that is the unfunded pension and healthcare liabilities plus debt levels, uh, which have generally increased in recent decades. Any assessment of fiscal health and what it might mean for real estate investing is very difficult, it's very complicated uh, to figure out how this might play out, and nobody knows uh, what exactly will happen. Uh, But what we've attempted to do is frame uh, the issue on a relative basis by measuring those liabilities, uh, unfunded pension and healthcare liabilities and debt, and even mass transit CapEx needs, which will be significant in certain places going forward. And we've assumed that the problem will be fixed over the course of 25 years. Now, I can tell you for sure that the problem will not be fixed over the course of 25 years, but putting this together helps us frame and quantify uh, the issue. Uh, What really will happen is that the can will get kicked down the road to the extent that it can. Taxes will uh, be increased on real estate owners directly through property tax increases and indirectly through uh, tax increases on their tenants, both businesses and individuals. And we're concerned on a relative basis about the outlook Uh, for the places that screen most poorly in our analysis, which would include the likes of Chicago, New York City, Connecticut, New Jersey, as well as the major California cities. And this is an interesting topic today because uh, fiscal health has not proven to be as concerning uh, during, during the COVID era as we would have thought a year ago. And that's in part due to Uh, the significant federal stimulus uh, payments which were received by states and cities. Uh, But the reaction of policymakers in the states and cities with poor fiscal health has been interesting, although not surprising. Uh, They've generally uh, increased their budgets. Uh, Cost cutting does not appear to be in their DNA. So uh, this positions them in a precarious uh, spot as it relates to whenever the next downturn comes, I think it's uh, it's debatable what will happen, but probably fair to assume that there won't be significant federal uh, stimulus uh, the next time around. Uh, so uh, the historical lesson here is that high taxes have contributed to outmigration. You can see this most clearly in Chicago where high-income earners have been leaving. Uh, but California uh, offers an interesting offset in which high income earners have generally demonstrated a willingness to pay more and more to live in a relatively unique place. So all cities and states in relatively poor fiscal health have uh, different outlooks in our view. Uh, The key concern here is the departure of high income earners because they pay an outsized share of taxes in the first place. So if they depart, uh, then you have the recipe for a fiscal death spiral in which high-income earners leave, taxes are raised on those that remain, more people leave, and the situation uh, continues to get worse. That's not our base case, uh, but that tail risk certainly warrants monitoring.
1: Well, that'll keep me up uh, at night, uh, certainly, the possibility of that. Um there's another aspect that I think we need to pay some attention to. And, and it's exogenous in a way. It's not something that's part of what the cities are doing or, or, or what we're doing in the real estate industry. But, but that is the kind of global warming issues and, and how they seem, at least over the last couple of years, have seemed to be increasing. Uh, and one of the questions I have about Sunbelt is that they most of those cities seem to be, uh, as was pointed out by some research at the Brookings Institution, seem to be at the highest risk uh, for global warming, whether it's uh, heat and fire or rising sea levels or both. Um, do you see that having an effect in the next 10 years in terms of people's perception of those markets? And will they be more interested in being close to the Great Lakes if it's so darn dry where they are right now?
0: So this is an issue that is very much so top of mind for us, but also one in which our work is far from complete. And so it has moved uh, high uh, up on the list of priorities for our clients and therefore uh, for the Green Street research team. Uh, My sense is that it will uh, it is probably not priced in to the, today to the extent that it will be priced in 10 years from now. But it's hard to assess it at this point in terms of what the impact will be because there are so many different factors. Uh, you mentioned global warming, so that suggests uh, that potentially uh, individuals will, will be less likely to live in, in certain places going forward as they just become hotter and hotter. And then you have, rising sea levels, uh, which represents a risk for uh, certain cities, uh, but maybe the problem could be fixed if, if that uh, happens, it might require a significant cost in the form of taxes uh, to build seawalls or insurance uh, to, to make sure uh, that uh, those investments are, are viable over the long run. Uh, there are many other considerations uh, even here in California uh, where some of the, the first two issues might not be as significant, but uh, wildfires and, and the associated smoke uh, is a uh, could have an impact on lifestyle in some of those cities. So uh, physical climate risk is a, a big deal, uh, but not something that we have formally researched or worked into our underwriting. Uh, the other piece here, which we're working on currently, is the cost of getting to carbon zero. Uh, what might that be across to various property sectors? So there will be more to come soon on that from us.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, that is going to be interesting. And certainly everyone is racing towards that concept uh, amongst the institutions, but uh, you're right. What is the cost? What is it gonna look like and how's that gonna impact things? Uh, so one last thought, what What's the one thing that you think investors should pay attention to in the months ahead uh, in terms of data that's going to be revealing or, or events that we should watch to see what happens?
0: In the months ahead,
1: we expect a continued dramatic
0: increase in pricing of commercial real estate. We measure the outlook for real estate pricing by comparing our underwriting of expected returns to yields available in the corporate bond market, both high yield and investment grade. And this relationship is currently as attractive as it ever has been for the outlook for commercial real estate pricing. So this tells us that commercial real estate today is cheap and that there is certainly a potential for double digit price increases over the course of the next year which would only follow a a double-digit price increase that has occurred uh, already this year. As our team of analysts monitors the transaction market and looks at individual trades or portfolio deals, it seems as though each one represents a a new high for pricing or a new low for cap rates. And uh, that's one part of the signal in terms of our, our outlook for property pricing. The other Uh, comes from the public market and the degree to which a REIT sector trades above or below the underlying value of its assets has proven to be predictive of the outlook for pricing on a relative basis across property sectors. And there, generally, the uh, signal from the REIT market is quite favorable, but it ranges widely. On one hand, uh, the outlook for pricing in the office sector, for example, is unfavorable. Uh, The public market is concerned about a host of issues related to the office sector including remote work. Uh, At the same time, uh, the public market is enthused uh, surrounding the outlook for sectors such as industrial and single-family rental and life science and suggests that pricing in those sectors uh, will continue on their upward trajectory.
1: Well, that, that sounds to me, uh, I'm, I'm not going to say that this is what you said, but it sounds like a buy uh, recommendation at this point. Um, I'm, I'm going to impute that. Uh, that you that's can what say you're that. Saying. I can say that. Okay, Commercial great.
0: real estate is cheap. We can say that. Absolutely. <laughs> Commercial real estate is cheap, is cheap.
1: That That's always exciting for a lot of folks in, in our community. So uh, we have run out of time, uh, but uh, before we go, I just wanted to make sure to uh, remind everyone uh, who has not yet. Uh, signed up uh, to uh, be a subscriber to the AFIRE podcast on any of your favorite podcast services, please do. Uh, We have all sorts of interesting speakers like Dave uh, that can give you uh, the insider's view on what is going on in institutional real estate investing across the United States. And in some cases, we're talking around the world. So make sure you subscribe as soon as possible. So uh, thank you, Dave, uh, for joining me on the AFIRE podcast. Thank you, Gunnar. My pleasure.
0: Please visit afire.org slash podcast.